I want to read St. Luke chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Jesus Christ delegated his own power to the disciples. Let's see if you're awake today. Will you say with me, I am empowered for ministry. I want you to say it again. When you get to that word empowered, say it out loud. I am empowered for ministry. One more time. I am empowered for ministry. And you are. Every believer here today is empowered, given power, the power of God to be able to minister. Authority for ministry, whom Christ commissions, he sufficiently endows. In the scripture, Jesus gives the disciples the authority to use the power he transfers to them. You can have kingdom authority available to you, and many people do, but they never use it. Let's find out some things about it, would you? Power and authority. Jesus gave the power and authority in these two verses to his disciples. But there's a difference between, he says power and authority. What's the difference between power and authority? What's the difference between, because there is. And it's, it's, it's important that you understand power and it's important that you understand authority. Satan has power. He can buffet you. He can try you. He can slap you around. But he don't have authority. You have authority. Let's look at the difference. First of all, power is a raw ability to do something. Authority is the right to do it. Whoa. You have power, but if you don't realize you have authority also, the right, you have a right to do what the Bible says. And he said, tread upon scorpions and serpents, heal the sick, cleanse the leper. He even said, raise the dead. Wow, there's a lot of deadness that needs to be gotten out of the way and people are raised from the dead spiritually. But I think that possibly could mean physically because there are people, especially over in third world countries that are being raised from the dead. But power is a raw ability to do something. Authority is the right to do it. Power, I love this statement. Look at number, look at C. Power without authority is abuse while authority without power is pointless. I have seen, my wife and I, no doubt some of you have seen people with power, but abuse that power. They use that to benefit them on selves. And that's not what it's, that power is given for. That power is given to glorify God Almighty, Jesus Christ, and to bless the kingdom of God. You have power, the church, the believer, and 
authority. The order of ministry that began with Jesus continued to be exercised in his disciples. He gave them that. That's, that's what 9, 1, and 2 is talking about. This power and authority continued with the early church. Look at Acts chapter 8. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip, how many of you know who Philip was? Was Philip one of the 12? No. Was Philip a set and appointed disciple? No. You know what Philip did? He waited on tables. He was not a disciple. He was generally like we all are disciples of Christ, but he was not a disciple. He was a deacon. Notice what it says. He went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip. Hearing and seeing the miracles which he did, for unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many, many who were possessed. And many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was what great joy in that city. What a revival. Wouldn't you like to see that kind of revival come to Durham, North Carolina? Would you like to see the Civic Center or the Armory or our stadium here filled up with people and people and someone preaching and ministering and people being healed, delivered and set free and demons cast out and run out of the city? Boy, I'll tell you what. The folks in Texas yesterday would have liked to have seen the demons cast out of a young man. That he could have been delivered. That's demonic. These mass killings are devilish. They're awful. And they're hatched in hell. So, well, we can, we, can, we can give all kind of excuses and say all, things, all kind of things about it. But the origin of it is certainly, certainly Satan. So this power and authority continue with the early church. This power and authority continues today. Look at John 14, 12 through 14. He said, most assuredly, I say to you, he who is a pastor, in, uh, he who is a deacon, no, he who does what? Believes in me. How many of you are believers? Let me see your hand. You're a believer. All right. It's talking to you. Not just John, Peter, and Paul, and James, and Bartholomew, and all of these disciples. Not just to Paul. Notice what it says. He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. They're greater in scope. They are greater in number. Because Jesus was confined to one area. But now the Holy Ghost has been given to the believer and it is greater in scope and greater in number. And it should be happening in our own lives. Woo! Hallelujah. You have authority. 
You're empowered. It's important that we understand that. We understand that. The authority and power Jesus gave the disciples has been passed on to each new generation of the disciples so they can accomplish that mission. There is no way that you and I, there is no way that the church can accomplish what it needs to accomplish without the power and the authority of God functioning in that church and in lives. People will come in and leave the same way they came. You can have great programs. You can have large crowds. You can have all kinds of lights. And I'm not against lights. I love pretty lights. You can have all kinds of things. You can have great preachers, polished. But unless the church has the power of God, the authority of God, and the anointing of God, people that are addicted to drugs and alcohol and all kinds of things, just the good moral man, or whoever they might be, whoever they might be that is allowing sin to control their lives will walk out those doors of every church the same way that they came in. It's a fact. And the church needs to wake up. I, you, we need to wake up and realize we have the power. We have the authority. We've been empowered for ministry. That's a good place. That's a good place to clap. We have the power for ministry. It is very important. Look at the, listen. Jesus did not just preach this, teach this. He did it. I'll get further down and then it says that the disciples were called. It's one thing to be called. It's something else to be given the power and the anointing. But in that same verse, and I will get to it, they were sent. You've been called and you've been sent. Not just in these four walls, but on Main Street, Roxborough Road, Guess Road, Martin Luther King Boulevard, all around. We've been sent to this city. We've been called and we... So Jesus dramatically demonstrated what in the, in, 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 in the chapter right before this chapter, in chapter 8, notice how Jesus demonstrated it. First of all, in Luke 8, 22 through 25, the natural realm. Jesus told his disciples to get into the boat. They got into the boat on the Sea of Galilee. We've been there. It's a beautiful, beautiful sea. But there were mountains on each side, and quite often the wind would sweep down, and there would be a storm on this wonderful sea. And that's what happened. The wind began to swoop down, and the waves were about to overturned the boat and Jesus was asleep and the disciples went to him and said we are about to perish and Jesus got up and he spoke listen I love this listen stay with me he spoke to the wind and the waves I don't know why he spoke to the waves because it looks like to me if the 
wind had stopped, the waves would not have been rough. But it didn't, it didn't say that. It said he spoke to the wind. You know, he knew what to say and what not to say. He spoke to the wind and the waves, and there was a great calm. That's number one. In Luke 8 and in the 26th and the 39th, the supernatural realm. And I preached on that last week. He came to the Gadareans. He came to a place called Decapolis. This great eastern, southern side of Galilee. He came to a place of darkness. He came to a place of heathenism. He came to a place that were not Jewish people. They were Gentiles. And as soon as the boat came to the shore, this man naked came running out of the tombs and screaming and the demons bowed down at the feet of Jesus. You see, Satan, demons, recognizes authority. Jesus had not said anything to him. He had not done anything. He just came and there he was and here they come. Legion was his name, and as we talked, Jesus cast the demons out of the man. They went into a herd of swine, and 2,000 hogs ran over a cliff and drowned in the sea. This was a great happening. This was a, this was a supernatural happening. And the Bible says that the town folks came out and they saw this once demon-possessed man sitting clothed and in his right mind. There's a lot of people that's in, 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 uh, in, in, in Washington and other places of leadership. I wonder if they're in their right mind. They say things that's so stupid. You ever notice it? I'm not going to get into that. I'll get political, and I don't need to get political. But I just think there's a lot of people that, that, that they need the Holy Spirit to give them the mind of Jesus Christ. That was a supernatural realm. Then there was a woman that was afflicted with hemorrhaging. She had been hemorrhaging for 12 years. And this crowd was gathered around Jesus and she said, if I can but touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. She was so weak. There is so much in that I don't have time to deal with it. But she pressed her way through the crowd and she reached out and touched Jesus and she was healed of that disease that, at that touch. So you have the natural realm, the supernatural realm, and then there are diseases. And then the next thing, Jairus was a ruler of the synagogue, and he said, he bowed at the feet of Jesus, and he said, my daughter is very sick, and she is dying. She was 12 years old. And that's the reason the crowd followed Jesus. He was on his way to Jairus' house. He got there, and there were paid mourners. Back then, they paid the people to mourn, cry, show all kind of affection. And she died. This little girl died. And Jesus raised her back to life. Wow. So Jesus was not only sending his disciples with authority and with power. He demonstrated to them it can be done. And he said, the things that I do, you can do also. And even greater things than I'm doing. 
Now, if he dealt with all of these things, wow, you and I can deal with them. You have the power. You have the authority. If you're a believer, you have that power. Here it is, number three, called and sent. Jesus called his disciples to give them power and authority. Then he sent them to use it in preaching and healing. So we're not to sit in the church and just play mumble peg. We're not to sit in the church and just fellowship together and just enjoy the preaching and the singing and the worship and all the beauty that goes on with the morning service. We're to get out of these four walls and go out and use the power and authority that God gave us. Ah. Somebody says, I'm afraid to go witness to that person. You pray, follow God, let him lead you in the right direction and at the right time and the Holy Ghost. That's, his, that's what he does. You don't change them. You don't convict them. The Holy Ghost, he convicts them. That matters not who they are. It matters not who they are. I've told this and I've said so many times the problem with sitting under a minister has been preaching over 50 years is hearing the same stories over. But we were having church on Sunday night and this man came in and he was drunk. A drunk man came in our service. Now, he didn't come to get healed. He didn't come to hear my good preaching. He didn't come to hear the singing. He came because his dog was sick and dying. And he loved that dog. He was a hunting dog. And he said, I want y'all to pray for my dog. Well, the power of God was in that place. It not only healed the dog, and the dog did get healed. The dog did get healed. It shook that young man up one side and down the other, saved him, sobered him up, filled him with the Holy Ghost, and he became a minister for the Lord. I don't care what they're bound with. I don't care who they are. I don't care what kind of addiction. I don't care how far away from God they are. God can and he will get a hold of them. Jesus not only gave them power and authority, he sent them to preach and to heal. And this became permanent. I want to read it again, 14. Most assuredly I say to you, who that believes in me, the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. God empowered them to do it. And he does the same thing for us today. Now you'll have people to tell you that died out with the apostles. Not so. Not so. That same power, that same authority is available. Now let's get to the last one. Look at it, if you will. The key to spiritual authority and power. Keys represents authority. And if you have the keys, and we do, we have the key of authority. But notice what we say. Speak in the name of Jesus. Mark 16, 17. And these signs will follow those who believe in my what? In my name. 
Luke 10, 17. Then these 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to who? To us. To you. Demons are subject to you. In his name. He gives the authority. But demons can't stand the name of Jesus. The world don't like the name of you mention You can mention God. You can mention God in, in the public arena. But you say something about Jesus. Some of these athletes that they have a real good relationship with the Lord. And they interview this uh, uh, football player, basketball player, or whoever. And if he says anything about I, my faith, that's okay. If he, says anything, if he says anything about God, pretty much okay. But you let him or her mention Jesus. You watch, you watch the announcers say, oh God, we can't have that. In the name of Jesus. John 14, 13, 14. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, I don't mean you can go out here and ask God for a brand new house, a brand new car, and all these things, and get them just because you ask in Jesus' name. You, first of all, asking in his name means asking in his will. Asking in his name means asking through the character and the nature of Jesus Christ. And the only way you can know that is know his word. You know the nature, the character of Jesus Christ through his word. And you ask in his name because you're walking with him. And you're spending time on your knees in prayer in the very presence of God. Then you can go and ask because you're not going to ask anything outside of his will. If you know his heart. If you know his mind. If you know what he wants. In fact, that we ask for, need everything needs to be to glorify God. Not to glorify ourselves. Not to bestow just on ourselves. And God does want to bless. But ask in his name. Look at John 16, 23. And in that day you will be ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he We'll give it to you. Wow. Somebody say wow. Wow. Isn't that great? I just love God's word. I encourage you to read it every day. I encourage you to read it not only with one translation. Read it with several translations. Being under. So we speak it in Jesus' name. A lot is done with your mouth. With your words. Are you listening? Let me say it again. What you say is very important. And what you don't say is very important. There's life and death in the tongue. And when you and I speak, notice, uh, notice Acts chapter 3 verse 6. Look at, look, look at it. Acts chapter 3 verse 6. Then Peter said, and we know this story. It's found in the uh, third chapter book of Acts. Peter and John were going up to the temple to pray. And this man that was uh, uh, impotent was sitting outside. He couldn't walk. He was lame and, and, and or blind. I can't forget. But he, he was sitting there. And here's what Peter said. Silver and gold I, I do not have. But what I do have I give to you. He didn't pray for him. 
He just spoke the word. And Peter said, I got it. Now that's not proud for the saying, I can do it. And I, like what some preachers used to say, you can command God. Well, that's scriptural, but you've got to take that with a grain of salt and understand what God's saying. But God gives you power. God gave Peter power. And he said, listen, what I have, I'm going to give to you. I get, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He just didn't stop with Jesus. Because there was a lot of Jesuses, people named Jesus. Jesus, there was a lot of people. But he wanted you to know. He wanted that man to know. He wanted the devil to know in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. So, speaking the word of God. But then in Matthew 8, 8 and 9, and stay with me for just another moment. Don't lose, don't lose it. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. Now, this next verse is controversial. A lot of commentaries, a lot of people, a lot of people miss it, I believe. But notice what this next, what this next verse says. For I also, the centurion, that was a Roman, that was over a thousand soldiers. He says, for I also am a man under authority. Whose authority was he under? Caesar's. He said, I'm a man under having soldiers under me. And I say to this one go, and he goes, and to another come, and he comes, and to my servant do this, and he does it. What is this babble? Why did God put that in the word? Why did he allow the centurion to say that and put it in his word? Because it's very important. Put your neighbor say, wake up. Come on, say, say wake up. Several sleeping on me. Uh, <laughs> I, I want you, this is important. And I'm not trying to be funny. I'm just trying to, because I, I, I know this is very important. This centurion was saying, he recognized, I don't know where he got it. He recognized that Jesus Christ was under the authority of his father. And so he said, I also am under authority. You're not going to have authority until you're willing to humble yourself and be under authority. Oh under his authority. That means we're not going to do and say everything we want to say and live any way we want to live. We must be under God Almighty's authority. And that's what he says. That's what he said. He said, listen to what he said. He said, I tell this servant to go and he goes. I tell this servant to come, and he comes. You can tell disease to go, and it will go. You can tell the dead and that's dead to rise, and they will rise. You can call Lazarus forth, and he will come forth. You can rebuke the demonic powers of hell, and they will flee. You can say this because you are under authority. You have authority. Wow. Humble yourself. Well, I'm not going to do what the preacher says. I'm not going to do like the church. I'm not. Listen, that's pride. The reason people don't come to the altar to get what they need from God is pride. 
If every one of us could see ourselves in the light of the word of God as a mirror looking into it and really, really glimpse of ourselves, I could say, let's come to the altar and everybody would rise up and come to this altar and kneel down and cry out to God. It's important that we see ourselves as God sees us. And our, you said, I don't know if I do that or not. Well, I'll tell you what. The prophet, one of the greatest prophets that ever lived, Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up, and he said, Woe is me! I am a man with unclean lips. And he was a prophet. And we can sit in our seats with all kind of pride. I don't need anything from God. Neil was in his classroom years ago. And that's when there was no air conditions in the school and they had the windows up and this bee came in. Buzzing around and people was this, that, and the other trying to get away from One of the guys said, I'm not afraid of that old bee. That bee went up his sleeve and stung him right here. <laughs> you can sit around with pride and think you're something or somebody. It'll come back to sting you. It'll come back to bite you. That's what this, listen, I really appreciate what this interior said. I'm a man under authority. Come on, Brother Matt and the team, if you will. Knowing and speaking God's word, the keys, listen to this, listen to this. The keys to this authority I'm talking about mainly comes through the speaking with your mouth. What you say is important. You can talk negative. You can talk with a defeated word. And you're not going to get any work. But you can speak faith. Listen, I, I challenge you. Study the word of God where it comes to the mouth, when it, where it comes to speaking. God spoke the world, spoke the world into existence. You can speak yourself into victory. I'm not talking about mind over matter. I'm, I'm talking about real, powerful, speaking God's word. It is important. Our words, listen, listen look at number four. Under number four. Our words in agreement with God's words releases Power. Amen. The word of God spoken in faith in the name of Jesus has awesome power to overcome seemingly insurmountable objects, obstacles. That's in Romans. I don't have time to go any further. Next week, look at what I'm going to do next week. We'll talk about Lord willing, Lord willing. Five reasons believers don't walk in the power and authority they have in Christ. Brother Don, we have this authority. Why don't, why don't people walk in it? Why don't we see this power and authority manifested today? I want to give you five reasons why. Lord, we love you today. We love you today. We thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the centurion. Lord, as he spoke these words, Father, your son turned around and said, I have not found so great a faith in Israel. 
Thank you today for the example of the centurion. Thank you for the example of quieting the storm, stealing the winds and the waves. Thank you today for the example of seeing the demonic, deranged man totally and completely set free. Thank you today for a woman that had an issue of blood hemorrhaging for 12 years. Thank you for that example. Knowing that we can see the very same thing in our ministries, in our lives, in our influences. Thank you, Lord, for raising this 12-year-old girl back to life after life had left. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Search our hearts here today. May we examine our own lives. May we be honest with ourselves. May we be honest with God. May we be open to the touch of the hand of God. Lord, may we be mindful of the needs around us, whether it's at work, at school, at the grocery store, at the filling station, or anywhere in our neighborhood or community. Help us to be aware of it. Help us to know, dear God, that you've imputed, you've given us not only power, but authority. And Lord, I pray that we would move inch, just inch a little closer to this truth, this reality of what you've done for every believer for what you've done with the church today. Lord, the same blessing, the same power that the early church had. And saw all of these miracles. Saw multitudes, thousands saved at one time. Help us to know we have these same kind of abilities, the same kind of power, the same kind of anointing. Forgive us, Lord, of 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 being shallow in you. Forgive us, Lord, of doubting you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Look at your paper one more time. I'm closing. Don't relinquish your power and authority. What are you saying, Pastor? The Bible says in Proverbs 3 and 5, it's a powerful verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. The interpretation is with your emotions. Trust Him. And lean not on your own understanding. You see, when situations arise, when sickness, disease, demonic activity, addictions, when all these things arise, we begin to we begin to look at it with our own natural carnal eyes. We begin to understand it with the carnal mind. And we figure it out. This can happen. This can't happen. Listen, don't lean. That means like leaning on a tree. Don't lean on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord.